Here's how desperate the Washington Post is in their latest blockbuster story about Jared Kushner and the Russians. Their only source is the Russian government. The story comes from communications that took place between Russian officials and the Kremlin that were spied on by the U.S. government. Now, when did the Kremlin become a credible source to create a front-page blockbuster bombshell headline? What's next? Are we going to quote Kim Jong-un's opinion of whether Trump has Russia ties? And the most disturbing part is that the Washington Post has had this information since December, but they've been sitting on it. Have you wondered why all this stuff drips out a little bit at a time, a little bit more? This is a coordinated effort between the Democrats and the mainstream media. They have lots of information. Again, all of it is made up, but they let a little bit drip out every day, week after week, because they want to keep these headlines. They want to slowly destroy and discredit the president. And there are numerous reports that the – and by the way, where did they get this information? They actually got it from another leak. It, this actually may be a leak from the West Wing, but somebody in the government is turning over this classified information. That's the crime here. That's the part that should be investigated. Now there are numerous reports the White House is getting ready to play hardball, creating a team of people whose job will be specifically to deal with the Russia stuff and the media. They're calling it a war room, and it's about time because the media and the Democrats have waged a war against the White House, and it's time to finally fight back with heavy ammunition, bring it on, and uh, with the right messaging, I believe that President Trump can sway a lot of public opinion. We will give you the details coming up. I'm also going to give you the latest on the Trump Care Bill, and I'm going to respond to two more voicemails at the end of the show. First, some quick stories here. The president went to NATO at the end of the week, and in a nice way, respectful way, he lectured them to pay their dues. We told you last week that because of President Trump's pressure and threatening to leave NATO, they agreed to report cards that will actually show publicly how much each country owes because it's been the United States and Britain funding all the bills by themselves and doing all the legwork. And NATO responded. Now, President Trump went and he said, listen, guys, I'm putting pressure on you. You got to pay up. Report cards aren't enough. The media got upset with the president. They wanted him to reassure NATO members that if any country gets attacked, that we've got their back. And instead, he said to them, listen, we're happy to have your back if you pay up. But this is not unconditional. And you guys have never paid your dues. He did exactly what he promised he'd be doing, by the way, for the last year. Uh, If he had gone there and said, we've got your backs, it's unconditional, then the mainstream media would have called him a hypocrite and said, well, why didn't he ask them to pay their dues like he's been promising to do? So he can't win. So don't even bother to try to please the media. But he did what exactly what his supporters and what the country wants him to do, make this an, an equal partnership amongst NATO instead of us carrying all the weight ourselves. Speaking of can't win, John Podesta, former Obama official and Hillary's campaign strategist, paid the president a backhanded compliment. He said he did okay on his foreign trip. Here's the quote from Podesta. I think he's doing okay, but I think it's pretty scripted. It's a pretty scripted trip. So he's basically not interacting with the press. He's reading words off the teleprompter, and he's in very friendly audiences. So that's your quote. Of course, Podesta can't give Trump the credit. He, he just tells him, he just says, well, yeah, you know, this was pretty easy. It was just a script reading from a teleprompter. Now, if anybody knows about a teleprompter, it's Podesta from Obama. I mean, Obama used to live by the, the, the teleprompter. I once heard somebody say that President Obama used the teleprompter to wish his kids good night every night when they went to bed. 
Now, but of course, he can't give Trump the credit. But I will say this. If John Podesta says he did, he did okay, that's basically saying he did a home run. He knocked it out of the park, which were the president's own words, by the way. That's exactly right. For Podesta to say okay is the ultimate compliment. I mean, so that just tells you how well he really, really did. In other news, a federal judge on Friday dismissed a lawsuit brought against former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, brought by relatives of two Americans who were killed in Benghazi in the 2012 attack. The victims alleged, the victims' parents alleged that Hillary caused their son's death by discussing sensitive State Department matters over an insecure, non-governmental email system, as we know, while while the, she was Secretary of State, which provided terrorists with information that they used to plot the ambush on September 11th, 2012 in Benghazi. They also claimed that she defamed the families by lying about the conversations with them. The judge tossed out the lawsuit. This judge was appointed by, get ready, shocker, by President Obama. Um, Okay, so we'll do uh, Jared Kushner and then we'll do the Trump care bill. Jared Kushner, the latest, I'm not going to spend a lot of time because these are just more bogus allegations, but the Washington Post claims that there's information that uh, Jared Kushner, when he met, and this meeting took place in December uh, after pr- the president won the election, he met with Russian officials and supposedly he was trying to arrange a back, a secret back channel to communicate with the Russians, uh, which was not an official line, but it would be a back channel under the radar line. These, these are the allegations. And that way, it would be harder to be to be spied on and, and to be surveilled by the intelligence community, by the United States intelligence uh, organizations such as NSA and CIA. Now, where does this come from? As we mentioned before, this comes from our intelligence sources who, li- again, this is all according to anonymous sources, so we have no idea. This whole thing could be made up. But even if it's true, according to the Washington Post's own uh, explanation of things, uh, the, it, this came from our intelligence people who spied on the Russians. In other words, there's a Russian conversation between the Russians who were at this meeting with Kushner and the Kremlin. Now, what, they have zero credibility. And it's, by the way, it's known, the Washington Post themselves say, says this, that it's known that Russian officials, when they think they're being wiretapped, which they always are, they will actually put false information to throw off our intelligence people. And the Washington Post says, but we have no reason why they would make this up about Jared Kushner wanting to go back to Of course they would. Of course they have good reason. Because they're trying to drive a big wedge. They're trying to discredit the United States government. They are laughing right now. The Russians are laughing at us. That, that's not just me. A lot of big people in, in the United States government have said this. They've said this on the road, talking to the House and the Senate. The Russians right now are are enjoying every minute of this. They're seeing the discord. They're seeing all these constant attacks on the president, and they know that they're the cause of a lot of it, and they love it. Nothing could make them happier. So if they leak this information, which is might be totally baseless and false, that Kushner was trying to create this back channel, they have every reason in the world to do it because they know it's going to end up in the front page of the Washington Post. So, uh, and by the way, uh, do we even... Uh, is there anything wrong? Is there any crime? Do we even blame them for wanting to create a back channel with the Russians? I know at first glance it sounds like pretty shady, but if, look at all the leaks that are happening here. The intelligence community, anything they find out uh, immediately ends up in the Washington Post or the New York Times. So do we blame Jared Kushner for wanting to create a back channel where at least they could be under the radar? I mean, look, there are serious issues. They're working on Syria, Iran. There's a lot of serious dealings going on. Uh, with the Russian government right now, very serious stuff. And if it all just gets leaked and if they can't trust that it's going to stay quiet, then that's that's a really, really big problem as we're seeing. 
Alan Dershowitz, who's a big liberal, he's defending Jared Kushner. He says it is totally wrong for them to be investigating Jared Kushner. There is no crime that has been committed to anybody's knowledge. He says you can't just make stuff up. He says investigation means that there was either a crime committed or that we know somebody was either damaged or lost money, and now we have to figure out who did it, who's responsible, is there a responsible party. But here they don't know of any crime. They don't know of any wrongdoing that took place. And they're investigating Jared Kushner, hoping that they're going to find some kind of scandalous activity. Let's hope that we can find something bad to pin on President Trump and to bring down the government and the White House. So Alan Dershowitz says you can't do that. That's a violation of his civil rights. You have absolutely no right to do this. And by the way, the crime that has been committed here that we know of over and over again is these leaks. These are classified pieces of information that keep showing up in the media over and over again. Those are the crimes. And you wonder, there's an, there's an opinion piece in the Wall Street Journal suggesting that you know this is going to be under the jurisdiction of Robert Mueller, who's the special counsel. He actually might be able to investigate whoever it is who's leaking, probably Obama holdovers in the intelligence community who are leaking these things. So this actually might end up blowing up. The special counsel might blow up in the face of the Democrats and of the media because they might actually expose the people leaking all this stuff about President Trump And they might be the ones who end up getting prosecuted. So it's really interesting. We are going to keep an eye on all this stuff. Now, as I said, Trump care, this is complicated. It's becoming a real mess because now this hasn't even gone to the Senate yet. Now Congress and Senate are on break. And the Senate says we don't want Trump care. We're creating our own version. And then we'll try to piece it all together, which is not good. Look how complicated it already was to get it past the House. Now we're going to have to deal with a second version altogether That's going to be a big mess. But here's what they're worried about. There are reports, CBO came out, and this is old news, by the way. I'll tell you about this. But the CBO came out uh, just this past week that there's going to be 23 million people uh, removed from Obamacare if Trump care is put into law. 23 million people who would have been on Obamacare will lose their insurance. Now, the CBO... They their estimates are wrong. Everybody knows this. They over predicted how many people would sign up for Obamacare by millions. So they're always way off. But that's not the point. The point is that the Senate is worried. A lot of Congress people held town hall meetings in their local communities uh, about after the Trump Care bill was passed, and they got attacked. I mean, viciously, verbally. There were some actually even physical assaults. So this is a very sensitive issue. A lot of people are worried about losing health care, pre-existing conditions, and all sorts of other issues. So. The Senate is very worried right now. The polls say that very few people, something like 20 or 25 percent of the country, is in favor of the Trump care bill. A lot of people are against it. 50, 60 percent disapprove, which is, of course, a big issue. That's Quinnipiac and others. And um, basically, the Senate's worried that if they vote in favor of this and then people lose insurance, that their constituents will blame them for losing their health insurance. Now, the problem is repealing and replacing Obamacare. By definition, some people are going to come off of their insurance. There's no That's not debatable. The question is, though, is it really a bad thing? And without getting too confusing, let me just explain. Let me, first, first, let me just make a point. A very misleading headline uh, was that the CBO claims that 23 million people are going to lose their health care coverage thanks to Trump care. That was last week. That's not the story here, folks, and here's why. A month ago, the CBO already did the estimate on Trump care before the changes were made, maybe a month and a half ago, and uh, before the changes made by the conservatives, they already did their estimate, 
and they determined that 24 million people would lose coverage. That was about a month and a half ago. Then they vote. Then they they switched. They changed the bill around. They made it actually more conservative. And uh, we did. We, we we told you all these details a few weeks ago on the show. We'll explore it in depth again here in the coming days. But the point is that after they then they voted on the new bill without having a CBO estimate. And now last week there's a CBO estimate which they need to to push it through to the Senate. And now it's down to 23 million. Now in, now what the headline should have said was as follows. Thanks to conservative modifications to the bill, a million more people are projected to have health insurance coverage than would have had under the original bill. So the conservatives actually helped the bill. They actually made added a million people to coverage, according to the CBO. So the headlines say 23 million people are going to lose coverage. That wasn't news. We knew that already six weeks ago. It was, it was 24 million people six weeks ago. Now it's down to 23 million. I know that still sounds like a lot, but that means that the conservatives who pushed the changes, the Freedom Caucus in the House, pushed changes to the bill, which are going to lower premiums, which then made a million more people have coverage, according to the estimate, than would have had. In other words, the conservatives added coverage to another million people. That's your story. That's your headline. But, of course, the mainstream media is never going to say that. They're going to just focus on the negative. So I found that really, really outrageous. But here's the point. The point is these people, some people are going to lose coverage. There's no question about that as a result of this bill. Now, premiums are going to be lower. Taxes are going to be lower. Uh, the government is going to have to pay much, much less in subsidies. They're not telling you all the good stuff, but some people will be taken off of coverage. But here's the thing. These people are not going to be kicked off of cover- of their coverage. I want you to realize that. This is voluntary. Nobody's going to be thrown off insurance. Nobody. Everyone's going to have access to insurance. The issue, again, without getting into all the complex details, they're getting rid of the individual mandate. Obama, in order to pay for Obamacare, forced everybody in the country, including young and, and sick and healthy people, to join health insurance against their will, which is part of what's unconstitutional about it, if you ask me. So they're saying, the Republicans are saying, we're not going to force people. We'll figure out some other way to pay for this, but we're not going to force people. So people have a right to get off their insurance. So by definition, you're going to have millions of people who are saying, I'm not interested in insurance right now. Now, that's their decision, and there's going to be pre-existing condition coverage to kind of work that stuff out in case, God forbid, someone gets sick who's not insured, but people are not going to be mandated like they were under Obama, under Obamacare. So that's the reason that a lot of people are going to lose insurance. That's not a bad thing. In fact, that's a good thing, giving people the freedom to choose. The issue becomes where there was a Medicaid expansion under Obamacare where he allowed a lot more people with a lot higher incomes to qualify for Medicaid. And that, of course, put a huge, huge strain on the government, financial strain. I mean, just a massive, massive expense of tens of billions of dollars a year. So they're stopping the Medicaid expansion. Now, by doing that, there's going to be people who used to qualify under Obamacare for Medicaid who will no longer qualify for Medicaid, and they're going to have to pay regular monthly premiums like the rest of us. And this is an issue. Uh, look, you can, we can debate this. So some people are saying the people who are paying tons of money in premiums want Trump care. The people who right now under Obamacare are paying no money, but they're going to really, they really shouldn't qualify for Medicaid because they really do have a decent income. Those people are going to be all upset uh, under Trump care. So some of those people voted for Trump, but they still don't want, they know that Obamacare is bad, but they don't want the solution where they're going to be, you know, nobody wants to be the ones who, who, whose premiums go up. But by definition, that is, so now that's a decision, folks. And I know a lot of people in the from community are going to be affected by this. There's some people from community paying like $1,200, $1,300, $1,500 a month for health insurance. And some people pay barely anything because they're covered under the Medicaid expansion. And now Trump care is going to actually uh, interfere with that and actually cause them 
their premiums to go up. So uh, we could debate it. If you ask me what's better for the country, if you gave me a choice between paying $50 a month but having Obamacare, which puts a, puts a tremendous strain on the entire country and really is destroying the healthcare system and the economy in general, or I could pay five or 600 or $800 a month. I, I pay more than that, by the way, in health insurance because I'm not covered under Medicaid. But, but if I could uh, pay six or seven or $800 a month in premiums but save the country, I'd rather the latter. I'd rather pay the seven or $800 because I just believe that it's really better ultimately even for my own family. You know, it, it increases wages. It takes a strain off of businesses. It just does so much good as opposed to having a welfare state where tons of people who have a decent income are paying nothing for health insurance and the entire burden goes on the middle class. So that's your debate in a nutshell. But the point is each senator wants to get rid of Obamacare in theory, but then when they actually realize that it means that some of their constituents are going to be kicked off of Medicaid, are going to have to pay higher premiums, then suddenly they don't want to get the blame and they don't want Trump care and they kind of don't know what they want. And I, I have a funny feeling, by the way, that this is going to turn into a big mess. I'll give you my predictions here in a couple of days. I think I know where this is headed and it's not good. Now, on this note of Medicaid, I'm going to respond here to two phone calls that I, that, that I got, messages that I got on the hotline. Somebody asked me, I explained last week that Medicaid is actually going to help, the cuts in Medicaid are actually going to help uh, as far as getting rid of a lot of the fraud and get, taking a lot of people off of Medicaid who are really high-income earners who don't deserve it. And I was asked the following question. I was asked, that's not what Medicaid is about. Medicaid is about health care. It's about uh, Trump care. In other words, uh, somebody said to me, uh, th- this is not about fraud. This is about people who earn too high incomes who are no longer going to qualify, which is what I was just talking about before. So which one is it? He mentioned pre-existing condition coverage. I'm not sure what he meant by that, but it, but but the question basically is what's going on here? What is this Medicaid cut all about? So I want to explain because I know it's confusing. There are two separate issues. Last week I was discussing the budget, which we're going to get into in depth also here in a few days, but uh, President Trump's budget proposal, which is to, to cut a lot of programs a lot of wasteful spending, and one of them is Medicaid. He's going to make cuts to Medicaid. The The caller was calling about a different issue, which is the cuts to Medicaid in the Trump care bill. These are two different things. Let me explain. The Trump care bill is just about undoing Obamacare's Medicaid expansion. And what that means is, as I said before, Obamacare expanded Medicaid to include people who earn higher income. So let's say the cutoff of Medicaid used to be I'm just making this up, $40,000 a year uh, would qualify you to Medicaid. You have to earn less than that. Obamacare increased it to, let's say, $60,000 a year. Again, I'm making the numbers up. So that then, that that was a Medicaid increase, which basically included a lot more people, and the government just has this unlimited, supposedly unlimited funding to Medicaid recipients if they're making a lot more money a year. That's what Trump care is about. And the call is right. That has nothing to do with what I was talking about last week about wasteful spending or anything else. That's just about how much money, income it takes to qualify for Medicaid. But last week I was discussing Trump's budget. And that is that essentially the, the, the federal government gives states money for Medicaid. Medicaid is run state by state, but it's federal funding for the most part. And we give them money and they can run the program within certain parameters. They run the program as they see fit. So what President Trump wants to do, this is not the Medicaid expansion. He wants to do is he wants to cut funding to Medicaid and tell the states, listen, you can either foot the bill yourselves or you can just cut funding yourselves, figure it out. But we're not going to spend as much on Medicaid because it ends up being just a total waste. And it's really, really a huge strain on the government. Now that he doesn't tell, we're not telling the states what to do with those cuts. We're telling them we're giving you less per year, figure out how you want to handle that. And that's where I was saying that the states, first thing they should do if they're smart is they should cut 
they, they should cut out the fraud because there's a lot of fraud. Did you know in 2016 alone, $36 billion, 10% of the budget of Medicaid, $36 billion was given to people who don't deserve it because they, they deceived the government and got coverage, which they didn't deserve. So if we cut that out, if we cut money to the states, they're going to get rid of the fraud. And also, there are a lot of other things that go on with Medicaid that could easily be cut. A lot of people who don't deserve Medicaid who are getting it. So those people, and that actually messes up the poor people. In a way, President Trump wants to help a lot of the low-income people because a lot of the higher-income people are the ones who are figuring out how to take the money from the lower-income people. So there's a lot of complicated stuff that goes on with Medicaid. It's a real mess. That's what I talked about last week. So that And that's all about, there's no specifics there. That has nothing to do with, 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 with Obamacare or Trumpcare or any of that stuff. That's basically telling the states, listen, we're not giving you as much money. Figure it out. And because there's so much waste and so much bureaucracy and so much fraud, by, by, get it, by telling them they can't have as much money for Medicaid, if you ask me, the first thing that's going to go in most of these states is they're going to say, all right, we're getting rid of the fraud. We're getting rid of the waste. We're cleaning up Medicaid. But they don't have to do that because we're giving them this unlimited funding. So that's what President Trump wants to cut. I hope that's clear. The other thing, the other caller uh, that I wanted to discuss is last week we told you about a CNN story where basically some Democratic group of people was hired to analyze why Hillary lost the election. And they blamed the media because the media talked about email, email servers, and it was just the whole thing was just absurd. But this caller made the point. It's a very good point. He said, first, why are you hiring a commission and paying money to figure out why Hillary? We all know why Hillary lost. It wasn't just the email service and Benghazi. I mean, she's Hillary Clinton. You know, Democrats couldn't stand her either, but they had no choice but to vote for her. Bernie Sanders almost won. And certainly we have no question why people voted for President Trump. You didn't need to hire this special commission, put together a whole report on it. But also he said it's so ridiculous for them to blame the media and say the media reported on the email servers too much. The media did everything it could to not report about the email servers. They actually should have reported a lot more and they covered it up and they buried the story and they kept focusing on nonsense regarding Trump as they always seem to do instead of real substantive issues like Hillary's email servers and uh, all the crimes that she committed and that whole scandal. So the media did everything they could to not. She lost despite the media, not because of the mainstream media. She lost despite the fact that the media tried to bury it because the story was so big. It simply could not be swept under the rug. I mean, it was the biggest scandal involving a politician in the last 15, 20, 25 years. You know, everyone talks about Watergate in conjunction with President Trump. They should talk about Watergate with Hillary and the whole email server scandal. Oh, that was a great point. I wanted to mention that. And uh, that wraps it up for today. Thank you all for joining us once again on the From News Wire, the Akov M Show. We will see you next time.